Welcome to another episode of Mormon Sunday School. I am your instructor, Bill Real. I am one of two instructors on this channel. The other one is Radio Free Mormon, or RFM, and he is teaching all of you out of the Come Follow Me manual, which is the current manual for 2024 for the Book of Mormon, in which the Sunday School and, and actually all classes at all ages are using as the backdrop of their uh, church lessons. But uh, I'm Bill Real, and what I'm doing is tackling the Gospel Principles Manual, and we hope to accomplish three things. We're doing, uh, we're trying to share with you a basic uh, foundation of Mormon doctrine that's faithful. We're trying to uh, share with you how the church has changed from what it was in the past to the present, and to do that, we are juxtaposing the Gospel Principles Manual that is current with the 1979 edition. And then the third thing that we are doing is this manual, and often at church with investigators and new members, you are given a very basic foundation of, of church theology, but there are lots of deep doctrines in Mormonism, and we are hoping to be able to share with you the things that you wouldn't normally learn in church about uh, these basic uh, Mormon principles or doctrines. And so without further ado, we'll jump in. Uh, so let's let's uh, let's do this. So the very first uh, page of this chapter, again, this this chapter is called Freedom to Choose. This uh, used to be framed around what we called free agency. We'll see even in the new manual there that now we call it moral agency. And so first off, agency is an eternal principle, just like we talked about in chapter three with the eternal family. We recognize that there was a war in heaven, that all sides were allowed to choose, that some uh, chose Lucifer and his plan and were cast out of heaven, and others chose Heavenly Father's plan with Jesus as the Savior, and that's us who came down to take on a body for a mortal probation. But even in that pre-earth life, there was freedom to choose. One of the things that is eternal in the uh, in this world, if you uh, take Mormon theology seriously, is that all of us have agency or the freedom to choose, as the chapter is named. I just want to note some differences here in the – and what, by the way, we'll always have agency. That's the idea. We'll always have the freedom to choose. Uh, so agency uh, in this first chapter, page 18 of the old manual, page 17 of the newer manual – I just want you to notice the sort of shift that they have. In the old manual, it's in the pre-earth life, we were free agents, meaning that we had power to act for ourselves. And they reference DNC 93, 29 through 30. But in the new manual, it is in our pre-mortal life, we had moral agency. Now, it may not seem like much of a difference to go from free agency on the one side to moral agency on the other. But as we'll see later, the church has shifted this doctrine uh, to the point where this doctrine has on some level seemingly changed. I also just want to note a little bit of a change in wording. Uh, they said even unpleasant tasks seem easier if we are persuaded rather than forced to do them. Uh, agency may have been one of the first issues, and agency was one of the principal issues. So in uh, the old manual, 
Even unpleasant tasks seem easier if we are persuaded rather than forced to do them. That has been removed from the new manual. But I agree that if we are persuaded that something is good for us and we go like, yeah, you know what? I'll do that. Rather than we be made to do it, we are going to find the task generally more pleasant. Of course, I don't think that's a absolute in all times. I also think it was an unnecessary sentence, so I can certainly see why they took it out. Uh, agency may have been one of the first issues, but then they point to it absolutely did. Uh, it was one of the issues. Uh, and so it seemed redundant to have it in there and maybe led to confusion. So it seems to make more sense that they just went to agency was one of the principal issues uh, that seems to certainly fit in the uh, second page of each soup. Sorry about that. And the second page of each uh, manual, uh, essentially, I just want to I just start a spot that I wanted to talk about. Um, and I think it says, you know, sort of the the same thing. But let's just double check here. As we obey each of our father's commandments, we become free to learn and obey other commandments. We grow in wisdom and strength and character. Our faith increases. We find it easier to make right choices. So the heading for this part of the chapter is agency is a necessary part of the plan of salvation. Again, from last week, Heavenly Father presents a plan. Jesus raises his hand and volunteers, sort of as hunger, like Hunger Games, volunteers to be tribute, right? But the Savior, Jesus Christ, volunteers to be the Savior. Some of us will make it, some of us won't, because agency is a necessary part of the plan of salvation. Remember, Lucifer's plan was that we would all make it back, but hence we would not be able to make choices. And so to be able to be able uh, the ability to make choices is inherent in the plan of salvation. Uh, and so I just want to note that. Um, sorry about that again. So just to note here, as we obey each of our Father's commandments, we become free to learn and obey other commandments. We grow in wisdom and in strength of character. Our faith increases. We find it easier to make right choices. And then in the newer manual, as we obey each of Father's commandments, we grow in wisdom and strength and character. Our faith increases. We find it easier to make right choices. I just want to note that while I think there is truth to that, I also think it's true that sometimes we learn the greatest lessons in life by making mistakes or by sinning by sinning against God. And Often it's in our mistakes was really the only way that we could have learned our blind spots, uh, that we could have grown in significant ways that had we always done the right thing, we, we, those are lessons we may have never have learned. And some of the greatest lessons in my life have come from making mistakes. And uh, hence, God created a plan that allowed people to make choices and that if they made bad choices, there were opportunities to repent. And even from a secular perspective, like human beings are going to make mistakes. And all of us, to some degree, deserve second chances and third chances. And even the scriptures say something like, forgive 70 times 7. So the gospel plan also has room for human beings to make mistakes. 
and we should at least acknowledge that mistakes are one way and at times maybe the best way to learn lessons and to grow and to progress. Okay, the third page for each manual, agency requires that there be a choice. And so agency necessitates that we are not forced into anything, that we always have the ability to make choices between things and often between more than just two things. Sometimes we think of the world as a binary world. You know, you're either a cat person or a dog person. So which do you like, cats or dogs? Well, some people like both cats and dogs equally. Some people don't like cats or dogs. Um, Often in life, we have lots of choices in front of us. An agency gives us the ability to make choices. We are agents unto ourselves to an extent because not all choices are spiritual Some choices are like, what do I want to eat for breakfast? Or where do I want to go for a walk or a hike? Um, And some choices are really simple, and some are really complex and difficult. And this part of the chapter is simply noting that agency, uh, if there's agency in in place, that it requires that there be a choice. And I do want to note, if if you're born and raised in the church and you're, you're sort of familiar with this line of thinking, you should also be aware that there is a lot of science and philosophy that has come out that points to our agency uh, is almost certainly extremely limited, way more limited than uh, than a believer in Mormonism would tend to think. And I would suggest that you, uh, if you want to explore that issue, simply go onto YouTube and do a quick search for is there free will? Do we have free will? And just watch four or five of the videos that make the argument that we don't. The best scientist in the world, and I think we ought to give a lot of credibility to scientists. They have science, while flawed for sure, has done on multiple occasions, has done something which I think we ought to acknowledge, which is that when science has shown something to be absolutely true uh, to the degree that science can, The church has often shifted in ways to uh, accept that science. And so, for instance, there are lots of folks who believe that the earth is actually 6,000 years old because the Doctrine and Covenants says something along those lines. But as people deal with science, most members and the church as a collective have backed away from being adamant about those kinds of things. And have suggested that, yes, science is right. This is an earth that has been you know, here for millions, if not billions of years. Um, and, and so we ought to not just write off science every time we perceive there's a conflict between it and church theology or doctrine. That science informs our opinions and that when the science is fairly certain – we ought to sort of try to figure out how to make room for that. And again, the church has done that on numerous things. For instance, the causes of someone being homosexual, for an example. So in this chapter, uh, I simply wanted to note, again, if you want to go explore free will, by all means do that. I just want to note here the asterisk on these two pages. Um, The one on the left is something that is not in the current manual, 
But in the old manual, it said we must understand. And it goes on to say we must understand that even though we are free to choose our course of action, we are not free to choose the consequences of our action. I just think it was strange for them that they are imposing that you must do something on the very page that they say that there must be choices. And so I think they sort of sense like this is the right way to say it. I'm not picking. I'm not nitpicking here. This wouldn't have bothered me. But they were essentially saying in that sentence, you don't have agency. You must understand this thing when in reality you have agency. Hence, the sentence probably isn't really that fitting. And so they changed it, got rid of it. And then over on the right, uh, something that was uh, was uh, placed in is our Heavenly Father will not allow us to be tempted beyond our power to resist. And that's on the, the, the next page of the old manual as well. But in this instance, what I think is really important to say is that human beings, we are learning with every passing day, month, year, we're learning that human beings are really complex creatures that have been affected by you know, thousands of years, hundreds of thousands of years for sure, likely millions of years of evolutionary uh, uh, nudges here and there. And that the human being in its complexity has lots of things that interfere with our thinking. The fight, flight, fright, fawn, freeze – mechanism, right? Lizard brain. Our our ability to make healthy choices when we are under stress uh, are deeply impacted and inhibited and affected. And we shouldn't we shouldn't take this sentence because it certainly seems to mean, but we shouldn't take this sentence to mean that you really do have the ability in every given situation to resist what your brain is telling you to do. Now, don't get me wrong, we do need to resist things, but the ability of some people in some situations to actually be free to choose and to be able to resist something, um, we ought to be really careful of extending that sentence to say what it seems to say. There are lots of people on this planet who suffer from depression, for instance, and some of those folks have taken their lives. And the church's current stance is not to throw any shade on those folks for having taken their life, but the church in today's modern uh, theology and doctrine grants grace to those who do that, sensing that they were might have been under such influence of mental illness, depression, other factors that they may not be accountable for the decision that they made. Now, if that's true, then this sentence isn't true if it's taken to to be to actually mean always because it seems to say always. Um, and so I just want to caution people in this particular instance, to not overreach, there are times in the church when we seem to be reading the voice of God, but God or the person who gave us the words, they took the thought they thought came from God and put it on paper and now said, this is truth to the church. We ought to realize that there are numerous occasions 
where the church self-admits in the present moment that the past scripture, past leader was incorrect. Another example is in, I think it's uh, Mormon, chapter 9, verse 9, when the Lamanite daughters are sexually assaulted and they lose their chastity and their virtue. And you sort of recognize that no one can be sexually assaulted, not give their consent, be raped, and lose their chastity or lose their virtue. No one can take those two things from you. You can make your own choices that sacrifice your character, that sacrifice your innocence, that sacrifice your virtue. Um, you can do that, but no one can take that from you. And so the, and the church has made moves that have indicated that it agrees with what I just said. And so that uh, particular sentence is not uh, an appropriate sentence to impose on people. There are numerous situations where people almost certainly do not have their full capacity to resist uh, the thoughts and ideas that are coming into their minds. Um, take a person with schizophrenia, for instance. Uh, it's just not – I've, I've uh, read stories where a guy had a tumor growing on his head, and when he had the tumor in, on his head, on his brain, uh, he he made real criminal actions. But soon as they figured out what it was and removed it, he went right back to being like, no, I would never do that. A and then the tumor grew back, and he was right back to uh, – his brain telling him that he had to make certain choices again. I, I just want to be really careful here. Okay, next one. Uh, oops, so here we go. Let me get rid of that. Okay, so now chapter, this is the last page of the chapter. I just want to note here the same thing we just went over. Our Heavenly Father will not allow us to be tempted beyond our power to resist. Again, I don't agree with that. I don't think that's true. And... Uh, if anybody wants to disagree with me, I would welcome your input. Uh, I will be happy to point you to uh, evidence-based research, peer-reviewed research that suggests otherwise. And then you, you're free, I guess, because you have agency. Uh, you're free to choose whether you believe in the manual of the church or whether you believe in the best-based information of our day. Uh, and you can pick. But again, the church hasn't been consistent on a million issues, and when science makes progress, the church has often had to adapt. And so we are having to sort of change views, and this, in my mind, is one that we have to change. So uh, that's the end of it. I just want to note there are things that we do want to bring up here. So it is, what doctrine and theology does the current gospel principle manual avoid telling you? And I want to start with... Um, we used to call it free agency. It was free agency everywhere. In the 90s, when I joined the church, in the 80s, the 70s, the 60s, I mean, you go all the way back. It was free agency. And it was that you are free. You are a free agent. You are free to choose. In April of 1992, uh, Boyd K. Packer stated that the phrase free agency does not appear in Scripture. The only agency spoken of there is moral agency, which the Lord said, I have given unto him that every man may be accountable for his own sins in the day of judgment. 
And then Elder uh, David Bednar went another step further, and uh, he not only said that there wasn't free agency, that there was moral agency, he then redefines it. And I want you to listen to how he redefines it. Uh, He sort of is suggesting that maybe before you come into the church, you have free agency. But the moment you get baptized, you agree that your agency is no longer what it was before you joined. You now have uh, a different kind of agency, which is called moral agency or representative agency. And before he starts, I just want to note, I have a problem with what he's doing. Number one, he's teaching something foreign in ways that have never been approached before and seem to contradict past teachings, number one. Number two, I have a hard time thinking to myself that an eight-year-old kid making a commitment to join a church for the rest of his life is under any sort of real weight that that decision would have uh, so many permutations of how he will be bound by that decision and the promises that he makes because I just don't see an eight-year-old child who possibly still believes in Santa Claus in the Easter Bunny to have the mental aptitude and makeup to be able to make significant choices that will affect their uh, spiritual life, their ability to get back to God and live with him, uh, their chance to be redeemed, um, I just don't see an eight-year-old child able to do that. And so I'm really nervous when uh, a a leader in the church imposes that at baptism, one shifts from something to something more accountable. Um, I think we ought to be really careful of that. And here's Elder Bednar redefining free agency into moral agency or representative agency. The principle of moral agency is the least understood of all gospel principles. It is taught incorrectly often, and it leads people to behave in ways that are not appropriate. As I listen to members of the church all over the world, this is how they define agency. It's the ability to choose, and I can do what I want. That's false. Why do we have agency? Go find in the Pearl of Great Price, in the book of Moses, God's explanation for why we have agency. It is to choose him, not to choose what we want, but to choose God and to love and serve each other. Now, buckle up. Are you buckled up? Okay, here we go. When you and I enter the baptismal covenants, there are three conditions of the covenant. A willingness to take upon ourselves the name of Christ, a commitment to always remember him, and a commitment to keep the commandments. We learn about those elements of the covenant, and we exercise our agency to accept those conditions of the covenant. We then are promised that if we honor the covenant, we may always have God's Spirit to be with us. Okay. As we pledge our willingness to take upon ourselves the name of Christ, that begins in the waters of baptism. It begins. We do not wholly and totally take upon ourselves the name of Christ in the waters of baptism. We begin. Where do we more fully take upon ourselves the name of Christ? In templo. There's a pathway from the baptismal font to the templo. Al templo. 
And there is increasing blessings by the power of the Holy Ghost that come into our life. As we begin to have the name of Christ come upon us through ordinances and covenants, we have a new family name, Christian. And with that name, we are to represent him at all times and in all places and in all things. Now, this is why you need to be buckled up. When we enter into that covenant and begin to have the name of Christ come upon us, our agency is enlarged. It's no longer individual agency. It is enlarged to become representative agency. And representing Christ and his name at all times, in all places, and in all things becomes more important than what we want. The reason we need to always remember him is so we can effectively represent him. The reason we need the companionship of the Holy Ghost, yes, that blesses us, but we need that companionship of the third member of the Godhead so we can represent him. We have already pledged that we will keep the commandments. Have you heard someone say, a member of the church who has entered into the baptismal covenant, I have my agency, I can do what I want. You ever heard that? Yeah, you know what the answer is? No, you can't. You don't understand agency. You don't have agency to do whatever you want. We have the hymn, Choose the Right, don't we? In Espanol? Tenemos el himno, Haz tu lo justo. The hymn is called Choose the Right, not Choose what you want. So, from tonight on, don't ever use a misunderstood concept of agency to justify sin. You can't just choose what you want. And when you begin to understand that principio, then you're on the road to becoming spiritually self-reliant, dependent upon God, and devoted to representing Him all the time. Now, I want to say this in terms that I hope won't be scary, but they're true. If, after having entered into the covenant, we don't abide by the conditions of the covenant. So, for example, if you and I don't pay our tithing, do we have the option not to pay our tithing? Nope. No. It's breaking a covenant. It is not the exercise of agency anymore. Because what happened to our individual agency? It was enlarged. Now it's more important to represent him. Is this making sense? If some night you don't want to go to sleep, read the scriptures and learn about what happens to covenant breakers. I guarantee you, you will not go to sleep. Now, I don't want to scare you, but I want you to understand this is serious. Agency is the center point of our mortal experience. With that agent, with that agency, we are agents to act. That's self-reliance. We are not objects to be acted upon. That is the absence of self-reliance. Now, go find more in the scripture. That's just to begin. Okay, so two things that bother me. Again, um, generally speaking, I agree with Elder Bednar. That if you're going to join a church and you're going to make commitments, that if that church is true, if its path of salvation is true, if you don't keep the commandments and there is a God up there who's going to judge you, and that judgment is based on the merit of how you lived your life and what you did or did not repent of, then yes, you're going to go to the judgment bar and Uh, If that theology is true, you're going to be in trouble. But Elder Bednar does two things that I don't think 
actually are true. One is that you shouldn't scare people uh, into behaving. That's manipulating. Again, it's it's one thing to sort of warn people, but when he said, like, go, go spend all your time reading up on this, I'm not trying to scare you, but go read what happens to covenant breakers. Um, you know, there's this moment in church history where we claim that an angel with a flaming sword came down and told Joseph Smith that he had to practice polygamy or he would be essentially destroyed. And then Joseph Smith receives section 132 where uh, he says that God told him that uh, to invite Emma to uh, agree to practice polygamy. And if she doesn't agree in section 132, the Doctrine and Covenants, God tells Emma she will be destroyed. That's not free will. When you tell somebody that you can either do what I tell you or you will be destroyed, you don't really have a choice. If I put a gun to your head and say, because you always can disobey the person who's making you do something, but at then the repercussion of whatever it was they threaten you with. So if I hold your a gun to your head, at the top of a building, and I say, I'm going to shoot you and throw your body off this building if you don't deny that there's a Christ. Like, you do have your agency, right? You can decide not to deny the Christ. But then he's going to shoot you and throw you off the building. Hence, you really don't have a choice, per se, right? Like, you're going to have to either do what he says or you're going to be destroyed. Um these kinds of things are really iffy. I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of scaring people, manipulating people, or having such a heavy penalty for something that your conscience tells you you should do one thing, but God says, I don't care what your conscience tells you. I don't care, Emma, that you don't agree with polygamy, that you don't think religious coercion forcing you to be a uh, uh, in agreement that your husband can take 30 more wives, that doesn't feel like agency. That that feels like you're being told what you have to do, even though your brain, heart, and mind say like, no, I don't think I should do that. Um, I'm, I'm not a big fan of scaring people or manipulating people into doing things that they don't think are right. And Elder Bednar here is trying to scare the bejeebers out of people, even though he says that's not what he's trying to do. Um, the other thing is that he says that you, you're not free to choose what you want. In agency, you're not free. Oops, we look like we maybe lost the connection. In agency, you're not free to choose what you want, but that's not what the church has taught. So let me put back up the PowerPoint slide here. Um here we go. Elder Bruce R. McConkie said four great principles must be in force if there is to be agency. Laws must exist. Laws ordained by an omnipotent power. Laws which can be obeyed or disobeyed. Number two, opposites must exist. There must be good and evil. Virtue and vice, right and wrong. That is, there must be an opposition, one force pulling, and the other, right? So again, must be an opposition to all things. Must be a force pulling and pushing. So there you are. And number three, a knowledge of good and evil must be had by those who are to enjoy the agency. See, again, sometimes people don't have a knowledge or their ability to choose is impacted. 
And so that previous line out of the manual that said you always will have the ability to resist isn't the case. Um, that they must know the difference between the opposites. And number four, an unfettered power of choice must prevail. Unfettered. Unfettered means to not be impacted by anything. You must be completely free, not with a gun held to your head. Agency is given to man as an essential part of the great plan of redemption. But you know what? Uh, Mormon doctrine isn't uh, uh, published anymore, and the church no longer leans on it as an authoritative work in any way. And so as they distance themselves from it, maybe we should distance ourselves from it, except the same sort of thing has been taught on numerous occasions. Uh, William R. Bradford of the First Quorum of the Seventy, October 1979 General Conference. This was back when we had free agency. He said, The most basic fundamental of truth that upon which the entire plan of God is founded is free agency. As an individual, you have the right to govern yourself. It is divinely given to you to think and act as you wish. You are free to act as you want. This is the opposite of what David Bednar taught. You are free. It is divinely given to you to think and act as you wish. It is your decision. It must be pointed out, however, that although you have the free agency to choose for yourself, you do not have the right to choose what will be the result of your decision. Right? Next, Joseph Smith. He wasn't talking to non-members before baptism. He was talking to those who had already entered the church. I teach them correct principles, and they govern themselves. Again, seems to run counter to what Elder Bednar is saying. Uh, principles of Leadership Teacher Manual, it's, it, 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 it talks about free agency, and then it asks the question for the class to discuss with the – it's rhetorical to some degree. We can, it can be rhetorical here, but it is obvious from the lesson manual that the answer here is no. It says, if a leader uses guilt to motivate a person to do something, what was Elder Bednar doing? He was scaring the hell out of you. He was trying to make you feel guilty and fear that you will do what he tells you in regards to what it means to no longer be free agents, but to be moral agents, representative agents, having to do what God tells you to do. If a leader uses guilt to motivate a person to do something, is the leader honoring that person's agency? Again, answers no. Okay. D&C 121, no power or influence can or ought to be maintained by virtue of the priesthood, only by persuasion, by long-suffering, by gentleness, meekness, by love unfeigned, not by shame, not by manipulation, not by fear. Second Nephi 10.23, therefore cheer up your hearts and remember that ye are free to act for yourselves, to choose the way of everlasting death or the way of eternal life, but you are free to act for yourselves. And so that's the end. I simply want to note that Elder Bednar and Boyd K. Packer, to a lesser degree, are teaching something new in the church that wasn't the old doctrine. It's not the way we used to do things. And what he's teaching seems to be, on several levels, contradictory to the agency that past generations were raised to believe in as a doctrine in the Church of Jesus Christ 
of Latter-day Saints. And so I'll see you guys next week. I'm excited for that lesson. And please like and subscribe to the channel. Uh, We really deeply appreciate everybody who's enjoying the series. And I hope you have a great day.